moments here we just thank you for your presence and power here tonight there's something unique tonight I feel a different type of anointing here the Holy Spirit move and I feel like an authority and a power and Lord we just thank you for an open heaven your glory and the the difference in the power is like a a power to deliver and set free and my wife and I've seen that many times we've seen people delivered of things and Lord I just thank you it feels so present here tonight like a deliverance type of ministry but as we pray over the word of the Lord we thank you Lord for your word where will we be without the word we love your word it is is truly the infallible word of God it is written by the Holy Spirit and Lord we thank you for your word and Lord as we get this in our hearts tonight I thank you, Lord, for just speaking through me. Everything needs to be said. At living seeds sown into good soil by the Holy Spirit, watered, take root, grow and produce a hundredfold harvest. Every twelve fruit that remains until Jesus comes and wins your spirit, carry this to the nations. And Lord, everything's going to be accomplished. Your will to be done. We thank you for it. We bind the enemy that would try to hinder this. You will go now in Jesus' name. But we thank you, Lord, for everything accomplished. And then through this sermon that your will to be done in every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so last week we dealt with a unique sermon content that had to do with another Christ. And I know that probably a lot of people have really never thought of it or maybe have never heard a sermon along those lines. But as I was saying earlier in the service, there's, there's a scripture that we'll probably look at next week, but in the scripture next week, uh, we'll look at Satan comes as an angel of light, and then it says it's no surprise that his ministers come as ministers of righteousness. So based on the word, we can see that there are ministers of righteousness, so to speak, um, that, are, that are just pretenders. They're not. And the Bible says that they would be false apostles, false teachers, false uh, prophets, it gives us uh, an understanding that not everything that's out there that claims to be of Christ is actually of the Lord. And I think about what Jesus said, many would come in his name, but yet would deceive many. You So that, that to me just blows my mind. So it, it would concern me, and I know it does you as well, to think that one day we could stand before the Lord and us and our families, if we're not careful, could have sat under a ministry that was never even of the Lord to begin with. Isn't that a scary thought? So we need to make sure that we're led by the Spirit about what we're listening to, who we're under, especially as we've come into these last days because what we sit under, the authority that we're under, uh, it is important. So anyway, tonight I'm going to kind of dovetail from last week about another Christ, uh, the spirit of Antichrist, false Christs, and I'm going to look at uh, testing the spirits because not every spirit out there is the Holy Spirit. Okay, I know that you know that. But 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. And so we need to put things to the test. Is this really of the Lord or not? Okay, so Isaiah 
I'm going somewhere with this last, like last week that I feel like maybe right now, you're, just follow me because this is going to go somewhere, trust me, because I need to deal with some deeper things tonight. But Isaiah 11 verse 1, there's a scripture in Revelation which says about the seven spirits of God. And a lot of people don't understand that scripture and I can understand why, because there's not seven Holy Spirits. But Isaiah shows us that there is seven manifestations, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. We've got to get to know him. The Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. He lives in us. He's with us. He comes upon us in power. We need his guidance. And so Isaiah 11 verse 1 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord, that's obviously talking about Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of David, okay? But it says, look at this, verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Number one, that's the first manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to describe the others, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So you have seven, the sevenfold manifestations of the Holy Spirit. When he comes in his fullness, it's like the, the menorah in the tabernacle that's lit. All seven branches are lit. You see, in some circles where it maybe is a little more prophetic, the Holy Spirit is there maybe as the spirit of wisdom and understanding, or that's revelation, spirit of wisdom and revelation. But then other places where there's more faith and power and there's, there's like miracles taking place. The Holy Spirit is at work there with, as the spirit of might showing forth power, demonstrations of power, you see. And in revival, the Holy Spirit comes in many, many ways. He'll come in the fullness here. But one of the aspects that comes very strong in times of revival is the fear of the Lord. And it says in here, verse 3, that Jesus will delight in the fear of the Lord. So think about that. Of all the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit, that's the one that it says about Jesus here. It says these seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit will be upon him, but he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So that's something that is very dear to God's heart. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So as we look at this, I want you to see something that I highlighted here in the notes. After it says he will delight in the fear of the Lord, it says he shall not judge by what his eyes see, nor reprove by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and reprove with fairness for the meek of the earth. So I want you to please really grasp this tonight. Jesus had the fullness of the Holy Spirit in his life. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Remember at John's baptism. And the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, this is the way that I understand it as I read it. The Holy Spirit is not a bird. I don't think a bird came on Jesus. The Holy Spirit came in bodily form, okay? And everybody's probably seen a movie with the bird, right? But anyway, the Holy Spirit came in bodily form and settled on Jesus gently like a dove would light upon a branch, okay? It was a gentle thing, 
but the Holy Spirit came upon him and clothed him in power. And that's what was actually going on. And John saw that, and he said, the one on whom the Holy Spirit comes, he's the one. And so he knew that he was the one, that he was a forerunner to. And then he began to say, he must increase, I must decrease. But the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, the sevenfold manifestation, the fullness, okay, was upon him in power. And Jesus did not judge by what his physical eyes would see or his physical ears would hear. It says, no, he judged with righteous judgment. So how many knows that sometimes our natural eyes and our natural ears may see or hear something, but on the surface, it's one way. But in actual fact, it's not that way. Did everybody catch that tonight? Please get this because where I'm going with this is totally, it's, it's hinged on this revelation right here. Jesus did not depend on his natural eyes and his natural ears as the son of man. He, his discernment and his judgment went much deeper than that. He discerned things by the spirit. And just because it looked a certain way on the surface, he knew by the Spirit that it was not that way. Okay. And then I'm just going to read a few other scriptures and then we'll get into this. So 2 Corinthians 11:2, Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear that somehow as the serpent deceived Eve through trickery, so your minds might be led astray from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might submit to it readily enough. Did everybody see that? There can be a deception where there is another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. I hope everybody is seeing this because this, in the days to come, I believe that we're living in these last days where these things are actually happening before our eyes. We are seeing all kinds of false Christs all kinds of counterfeit spirits in the world and all kinds of deception. There's all kinds of seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, spiritual darkness, and we've got to have true discernment. And true discernment is not judging by what your physical natural eye sees or your natural ear hears. It has got to be deeper than that. Because some things can look weird, but it's actually God. Other things can look perfectly normal, but it's demonic. You can't go by just your natural inclination. And so 1 John 2.20, it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. So see, John was saying there that the anointing in you, that Holy Spirit anointing that dwells within, will cause you to know things that you shouldn't know. Okay? And then Romans 8, 14. For as many are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Now let's park there for a moment. So in this culture, 
When a child was very young, they stayed with the mother. But when they were bar mitzvahed and they came of age, let me say again, when they were bar mitzvahed and they came of age, and they were now mature, they, they were considered a son, they moved from a child to sonship, they would begin to spend time with the father and they would learn the family business and they, they were now considered a young man. And so keep that in mind that what Paul is saying here is, is deeper than the surface level of what a lot of people read this. He, Paul is saying here that when you come to maturity, you are led by the Spirit. And in the Greek, it reads continually led by the Spirit. So this is something that for us that we move out of elementary school and now we're moved into some maturity about us, we begin to understand how to be led by the Holy Spirit. He is a person. We learn his voice. We learn his leading. And that anointing in us will teach us and we will know by the Spirit things that we should not know in the natural. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the Apostle Paul prayed this. He said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That means fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now, I looked up the word fellowship, and it implies an intimate relationship. How many want an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit? So as we spend time in prayer, what you have to understand and, and is that the Father is in heaven. Jesus at his right hand as a great high priest interceding for us because you remember the accusers trying to accuse us before God. So Jesus is our advocate. He's our intercessor there. But he said, it's better that I go because the one that's coming, he will be in you and he'll be with you. He'll teach you all things. He'll take of the things that I've said, and he'll help you understand them. He will lead and guide you. As a matter of fact, he will even show you things to come. So Jesus was saying, it's better that I go because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. This is the promise of the Father. And so that Holy Spirit, he's the third person of the Trinity. He is God, the Spirit. And he is the one, if we're truly born again, he comes to live inside of us. And when Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, he's the one that comes upon us in power. But he is the one who is continually with us. You know, I've learned that if I don't understand something I'm reading in the scriptures or whatever, I can ask God to show me and the Holy Spirit will make it known to me. The Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us the Bible. He's the one that empowers us to be a witness for Christ. He's the one that will give you a check in your spirit when something's off. If we ask him, he's the one that will help guide our steps. So we, it is so important that we really get to know the Holy Spirit, get to know him as a person. This is so important what I'm saying. He's not just a thing. I think that a lot of spirit-filled circles view him as some kind of an a thing that comes in and touches people. No, the Holy Spirit, he, he's God. He is a person. Uh, he's the one that comes in. We need to cooperate with him. 
It's his leading and what he's wanting to do. It's like tonight's a little bit different the way the Holy Spirit moved. My responsibility isn't to try to tell the Holy Spirit what to do. My responsibility is when he says we're taking a right here, we just take a right here. But we have to know him and we have to know his leading. So again, let me, we're looking at different scriptures. Now let's look at Hebrews 5.11. So we're looking at some aspects of the Holy Spirit. We're looking at discernment. We're looking at how there's counterfeit things out there. Now Hebrews 5.11, and we're going to read through 14. Concerning this, we have much to say that is hard to explain. Since you have become hard of hearing, for though by now you should be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have come to need milk rather than solid food. So again, we see a reference here of spiritual infancy, but they should be mature. Okay, and it says this, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. Verse 14, this is really what I want to get to. But solid food belongs to those who are mature. Everybody say mature. For those who through practice have powers of discernment that are trained to distinguish good from evil. Another translation says through practice have trained their inner senses to distinguish between good and evil. Now, for this to make sense, we have to understand the triune being that we are. So your physical body is very easy to understand, but see, hear, smell, taste, and touch, a physical body that ages and dies. So we have this physical body, but we also have a soul. And your soul is not your spirit, as some people think. Your soul makes up your intellect, your emotions, your personality, it's the part of you that it basically uh, your personality, how you, how you understand things, it's your soul area. But your spirit man is a spirit body. Is everybody following me? A spirit body. Your spirit body that is within you ha is just exactly like your physical body. Your spirit has spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, spiritual smell, spiritual taste, and, and uh, touch, and you can sense, your inner man can sense good from evil. And so your spirit man is what it's referring to here. It's saying that solid food belongs to the mature, but have, they have learned to train their inner spirit man to distinguish between good and evil. They've trained their inner senses. And so a lot of people may be listening to this sermon can relate to something I'm about to say. There may be a time that you were around a person or something, a place, and you just felt inside of your spirit, you felt very uncomfortable that something wasn't right. Even though in the natural you may have looked at it and it didn't seem terrible, but something within you is like something isn't right here. That is your inner man your, where the Holy Spirit dwells. See, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, he dwells within your spirit. And that's where the new birth happens. And so the, mature, the maturity process that we go through is we learn how to die to our flesh. 
and bring our flesh under subjection that we walk in the spirit. And so in other words, your inner spirit man where the Holy Spirit dwells, that part of you craves God. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, he said, look, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. You better pray. <laughs> you better get in prayer, guys. So we learn through prayer daily to bring our flesh under subjection and die to the flesh, and we walk in the spirit. And what happens is, is that your inner spirit man becomes more and more um, developed and strong within you. Your inner spirit man develops, and you more and more begin to understand the inner senses of maybe seeing things, hearing things, understanding things by the spirit. And your soul area, the Bible says that we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices, and it says that we're to renew our mind. So the soul area is supposed to be renewed and changed. So maybe your personality was a certain way before you were a Christian, but now that the Holy Spirit is in your spirit, that aspect of you that's born again, the Holy Spirit begins to change not only your spirit, but your soul. And so now you begin to think different. Your emotions change. Your personality changes. The fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident through your soul. But what are we supposed to do with the body? We're supposed to walk as dead men in regards to our flesh. And see, your flesh is where you, you inherited it from Adam. You inherited this uh, sin nature. When Adam ate the fruit, it went into his physical stomach. And so it's within our physical bodies that the sin nature dwells. That's why your physical body is going to age and eventually die unless we make the rapture. And the time, is, it seems like it's winding down, doesn't it? But your physical body is under a curse, and it's where the sin nature. So there's always going to be, in this life, a wrestling match between your flesh and between your inner spirit, man. Your inner spirit craves God, loves God, wants the things of God, wants to obey God. And your inner spirit, because the Holy Spirit dwells there, there's a fire of God in there. I mean, you, you're hungry for the word. But there's a part of your flesh that doesn't crave God at all. That your flesh craves the things of the world and it craves the, the pleasures of the world. And so you're kind of torn in, betu in between these two and your soul area has sometimes got to make the decision, okay, I've got to die to my flesh and seek the Lord and the more that we develop a strong prayer life every day and we're in the word and we're in church and we're growing in the Lord, the more and more that our inner spirit man is getting stronger and our flesh is becoming more obedient and under subjection. So the way that we're actually supposed to live as a Christian is that our spirit is the king, is the dominant one. Our soul is the servant, and our body is the slave. That's the way it's supposed to be. 
But what it's saying in the scripture is, is that unfortunately, some people are still carnal Christians and have never matured, and they still walk after the flesh. And the scripture says multiple times, I wish that I could say things to you, but you can't bear them. You can't understand them. You're just fleshly like everybody in the world. It'll go over your head. I think about Jesus so many times. He would, people would come to him and he would say things like this. And see, now this is going to make more sense in light of what I just said. Jesus would say, oh, this generation, how much longer am I going to bear with this? He was frustrated because he was walking in the spirit and saw things a certain way, but everybody else was in the flesh and saw them totally different. Yeah, I remember whenever they were talking about Jesus' fasting with the Samaritan woman was coming and, and they were urging him to eat and he said, well, I have food that you don't know of. And, and they start talking about bread. Maybe he hid some bread somewhere. Maybe there's some. And Jesus finally is like, guys, I'm talking about prayer and fasting and, and hearing from the Father. Why are you talking about wheat bread right now or barley bread? I'm not, you know, they were, they were seeing it a certain way, but he was seeing it in the spirit, you see. So we have to develop that inner man to where we know if something is of God or not because I'm going to show you in a moment, I can even prove this in the scriptures that you better have some spiritual discernment. And that's where we're about to go next. So let me finish with this scripture. It says, solid food is for the mature who through practice. So there is a continual uh, development of this over time. Through practice have trained their inner senses to distinguish between good and evil. So if Satan comes as an angel of light, how are you going to know it, Satan? If his ministers come as ministers of righteousness and they're preaching out of the Bible, how are you going to know that they're not a minister of God unless you have some kind of a discernment about you? Now, last week and probably up to this point, there's a pretty good-sized group of Christendom that were probably with me until now. This is where I'm going to lose some of them because I've heard people make fun of what I'm about to read and talk about in the scriptures. How many knows people mock and make fun of what they don't understand? Yeah, they do. They mock and make fun of what they don't understand. And because of pride, they think, well, you know, if it's of God, then I would be there. And so I'm talking about an inner discernment of your spirit that just knowledge of the word alone is not going to cut it. And I'm going to show you it in the Bible. I'm going to show you where the Bible bears that out. Just knowledge of the scripture alone, there's going to be times that it's not going to be enough. You're going to have to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit and train your inner senses by the Holy Spirit to distinguish between good and evil. It's going to be very necessary. So let me show you. Acts 16, verse 16. Those that have sat under my ministry very long probably know where I'm going already with this. But Paul was ministering, and he was going to a place of prayer, and there was a young lady there that was a, uh, like a fortune teller. And she had earned her 
her masters, those that owned her, she had earned them a lot of money because people came from far and wide and would pay them money to sit and let her do whatever she did, read their palm, you know, maybe she had a crystal ball, whatever she was doing, but she, she had a spirit of divination, which the Bible calls a python spirit. But a spirit of divination, let me, let me explain something briefly. There's three realms of the occult. Witchcraft is the power base. So witchcraft is where people learn how to put an actual curse on somebody or use an incantation, and they learn how to kind of summon and work with demonic powers to release something against somebody or to control them. But it's the power of witchcraft. Okay, another branch of witchcraft, or the occult rather, is sorcery. We get the Greek word pharmakeia, we get the word pharmacy from that. It, it seems to indicate drugs, but sorcery is the material branch. This is where people have things in their possession, a certain ring that they wear, a rod, some kind of a garment they put on, some kind of an idol they have, but they have material possessions that are supposed to either bring them power or luck or some, some type of uh, prosperity or fertility or whatever. All right, but the third branch of the occult, and this is what this lady was into, is divination. Divination, the occult word is scrying, and what it means is reading. So divination tries to read. And what I mean by that is they'll read a palm, read tea leaves, read crystal balls, read whatever they're trying to make some type of a prediction they also can try to read the zodiac and that's where you get things like horoscopes from or another form of divination is like ouija boards and things like that but they're trying to use they may not realize it but they're trying to use a demonic spirit an occult spirit called python or divination that spirit is going to give them some type of illicit information that's from a supernatural source that is not of God. Okay? So this lady had a spirit of divination, a python spirit inside of her. And by this spirit, these people would not be getting rich unless this lady was getting some kind of information. You understand? People are only going to go one time if the lady's wrong or she's a charlatan. These people were getting rich off this lady because they'd go and she would tell them something that they, she shouldn't know. And so they trusted her and they kept coming back. So Paul had gone to this, this city and I mean, he's preaching, doing like he always does. What did Paul do? He would come in, he would go to the synagogue, he would first to the Jew preach to them. Nine times out of 10, they rejected it. So then he would go to the highways and byways and he began to preach and he would find maybe a location. He would pray for the sick. People would start coming. So he was ministering there in this city. And on one occasion, as he went to the place of prayer, a servant girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Does anybody have a problem with what she was saying? Demon or not, she was telling them the truth, wasn't she? Was the Apostle Paul a servant of the Most High? Was he proclaiming the way of salvation? 
I believe that this lady, the demon in this lady, was trying to deceive Paul, this is my personal opinion, into thinking she was a prophet so that he would bring her into his ministry and it would bring in like a mixture to his ministry. But she was following them around shouting that. It says in verse 18, she did this for many days. Now, let me just tell you from experience, even in my own life, why this happened for many days. Paul, I mean, his first inclination is he's walking down the street, probably was this lady's yelling, these are servants of the Most High, telling you the way to be saved. At first, he's probably thinking, well, okay. And then he just goes on about his business. But as she kept doing it, hear what I'm saying. I guarantee you something in his spirit started getting irritated. He was getting chafed in there. He was saying something isn't right about this lady. And he knew that even though she was saying the truth, and on the surface, it looked good. It looked like this was God, of God. But he knew that something was off. And so she did this for many days, but becoming greatly troubled, Paul turned to the spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that moment. Now, probably she, she yelled out a scream because I've seen this and collapsed on the ground like a sack of potatoes, right? And there she is laying there. She gets up and now her powers of divination are gone. And so what are her masters going to do that we're making all this money off of her? So they got angry and began to stir up a riot against Paul. I heard one guy say one time, well, when we come in here, we're either going to have revival or a riot. <laughs> Look at Paul, right? And so the lady, um, the lady was delivered. But my point in all of this is that there's no way in the natural that if you go to a city and you don't know this lady, you don't know she's a fortune teller, you don't know anything about her, you're just simply, you show up and somebody's saying, you're a servant of God, you're telling people how to be saved, there's no way in the natural that you would know whether or not that's of God or not, right? You would assume it is of God. In fact, the scriptures say, it indicates that if somebody claims to be a prophet or whatever, and what they're saying is true, the scriptures seem to indicate that they're probably of the Lord. So just knowing the Bible alone would not resolve this situation. Does that make sense? You can know the Bible and quote it, but until you develop some type of a discernment within you, you're not gonna know for sure. I remember one time years ago, God began to really move here in River of Life with intercession. And I'd been around intercession because I grew up in Pentecost and I know that there was a particular two ladies that I talk about some that, that God really used them in my life, Ruby and Addie, and they prayed over me. They were elderly women. They were intercessors. And I remember that they would really, because they would come up there, I would spend hours by myself at the time at the church in the sanctuary and I was reading and studying and praying. And so they, they would come in on their own. They had a key and they, they would come in to pray because they were intercessors. And I was in there. And so anyway, that's how the relationship started. They began to kind of mentor me and teach me things and, and pray over me and lay hands on me and pray for me. And it was really powerful. And I began to see, you know, how deep they would get in the spirit. They, 
they would know how by the Holy Spirit, they would know how to get past their flesh and really get in the spirit and begin to pray in the spirit and get revelation and intercede over things. And I just watched this documentary and I, I hope you remember us talking about Azusa Street and Frank Bartleman was his intercessor. Well, there was a video that was produced and I think it was from the 80s, but uh, Frank Bartleman's son, who was in the video quite old actually, he looked like he was at least in his 60s, maybe his 70s, but he was saying, man, I respected my dad so much. He said, my father, he was talking about Frank Bartleman. He said, I would see him get under the burden from the Holy Spirit and just groan and travail and pray until that burden left. And he said, my father, he said, I picked that up from him. And he said, I have experienced that myself. And so I saw this with Ruby and Eddie. I saw how they would really get in prayer, get deep in the spirit and get under a burden and they would pray things through. And I remember the sounds because they're, they'd pray in tongues or groans too deep for words like Romans 8. And they really... They, they would get insight from the Spirit. And they really were, were being used of the Lord. It was very powerful. But somebody that has no clue about these things, that, that simply saw it on a surface level, would think, man, that sounds odd or that's kind of weird, or they wouldn't understand it. They wouldn't necessarily like it because it was the things of the Spirit, which I'm going to read to you here in a moment. The Bible says the things of the Spirit are foolishness to those that don't understand them. Okay, so I remember years later, I went through a really difficult time and long, long story you already know, but God really imparted to my daughter whatever they prayed over my life. And I remember Brianna really becoming a powerful intercessor, but it came through impartation when I prayed for her. And it, it was as big a surprise to me as it was to her. I mean, it came out of nowhere. And God just touched her. She was hit by the power and began. And I heard come out of her the same prayers and the same sounds that Ruby and Addie would pray. And I thought that was so awesome. And it shocked me because, I mean, this, you understand, this came out of nowhere, but it was, I was in a really dark time spiritually. The enemy was trying to just really destroy, come against me, come against our ministry. And God kind of birthed that to, to uh, help keep us going and get the victory. Anyway, Whenever I heard that, I was like, oh, man, that sounds just like them. All right. So a few years pass, years later, okay, and I remember that a particular individual came one time, and they, I believe that they had a good heart, but they'd come in, and they began to intercede kind of just like Brianna. It sounded kind of like that, and I remember, though, that in my spirit, the only way I can describe it is it sounded like nails on a chalkboard. It just, it just chafed me. I mean, it just, it really was an agitation. And I would, we'd have these prayer meetings and some of the intercessors, you know, would be praying and groaning and travailing and, and God really using them in the spirit. And, you know, you just, as a pastor, you just want to let God use these intercessors and pray. But this individual kind of slipped in among and was, was praying, and it was just not of God at all. And I, and I began to wonder, I was like, well, is this a sincere Christian that has a spirit about him? Or is this an infiltrator that knows what they're doing? They're just trying to pretend. 
Still to this day, I'm not sure. But the person was kind. There was nothing about them. And so I really began to pray about it because if the person is a sincere Christian that's just off, you know, you, you need to handle this well. You don't, you don't want to hurt somebody if you don't have to. So I began to seek the Lord. I'm like, Lord, please get, get this out of here and give me wisdom. Long and short of it was after a short period of time, uh, we had an elder just simply talk to this person. They were being disruptive, which they were, but they got offended and left. So God answered the prayer to get it out without it being too painful. Thank God. I prayed about that. But anyway, it was just one of those things. Now, I believe it was the same situation that Paul was dealing with here that there was, I believe, something trying to come in among us that was a counterfeit. And you need to discern these things because if we allow these counterfeit spirits in. Now, this person, my point in telling that story is this, this person in the natural looked and sounded everything in the natural the same as the intercessors so there was no way to know if it was God or not unless you discerned it in your spirit because scripturally it was the time of prayer the person was praying in the spirit just like everybody else the person was uh, groaning just like everybody else in the spirit Romans 8 there was nothing unscriptural everything about it was a prayer meeting and it seemed to be of the Lord and I remember, listen, this is interesting too. A little while later, I was just, for whatever reason, I remember maybe I was doing some research, but there's a guy named L.A. Marzulli. Some of you have seen some of his videos, and he has some really good videos on things about the Nephilim, etc. But I don't remember what video it was, but he was talking about there was a particular, these mounds that were built in ancient times pre-flood by the Nephilim, those mounds and all that. And he was talking about how these, this was interesting, these Mayan Indian elders had come to America to a certain mound at a certain time and were doing this weird ritual. And as it's going through, it just shows a clip of it. And they're all doing this thing, and all of a sudden, the same exact feeling, I'm talking exact feeling I felt from that lady, I felt from them. It was witchcraft. This was a spirit of witchcraft that this lady was operating in. And I could tell other stories, but for the sake of time, I, I can't get into it tonight. But just know that there's going to be times that on the surface, things may look good, but they may be horrible. Or times that things look horrible, but they may be of the Lord. I mean, you have to have discernment. And that's why you've got to have this developed, mature, discerning of your inner senses trained to know if something's of God or not. Because you don't want to, to squelch something that's legitimately of the Lord, but you also don't want to tolerate something that's not. And there's a very delicate balance there. And not to mention that you're dealing with people and you don't want to hurt their feelings if they don't know that what they're doing is not of God. You want to handle it gently, you know? And so there's a way of going about things. And I remember there's, I could tell so many different stories about this, but, and we've prayed over many people be delivered. But I remember I was going through a praying one night and there was a man that had kind of a Native American heritage, which I, I do as well in my family. And I was praying for him. And I just remember 
uh, I felt the power of God hit him, and he went down and kind of started slithering some, and some of the demonic stuff came out of him. And I remember him getting up and going, what was that, you know? And I could tell a lot of stories like this. Uh, let me tell another one. So I was going through praying for some young people one time at a meeting, and there was a young lady that I, got, I was praying for everybody, and I got to her, I simply pray for her. I mean, she like jumps up and takes out running. I'm talking like uh, like people when the gun's fired and they, they're sprint, a sprint. She took off. I mean, she sprinted out of the place. And it, and it caught me by surprise. I mean, who does that? I've never even seen it before. And I'm sitting here praying for people. Next thing I know, she jumps and sprints. And so some of the leaders like ran and had to go get her. And so while I'm praying for other people, I began to feel in my spirit like, you know, there was some kind of a, a demonic thing she needed to be delivered from and so they brought her back in and now she's starting to act a little squirrely and weird because the thing's manifesting and I was just standing there I was like Jesus I break the power that she went flying back and hit the ground and let out this high-pitched blood-curdling scream and the spirit of witchcraft left her and that was that funny story where I felt alone like uh, the tumbleweed like you know like Matt Dillon there and like everybody flees you know and it was just me and because I was thinking to myself where'd everybody go and uh, you know I'm sitting there dealing casting these demons and I look behind me and they all went behind me on the platform back there hiding behind pastor anyways I felt very alone at the moment but the girl got delivered from several demons and she was a sweet young lady she simply just had doors that you know were opened in her life and she was a teenager through different means okay I'll tell another one this was a young lady that came here that um, she in high school apparently had dabbled in witchcraft now let me tell you you got to be careful with this stuff and I was praying for different people here and when I got to her I started taking authority I felt something she collapses she goes out and I knew she was being delivered from something and she something came out of her and left and she got up and she same type of thing she's looking like what was that you know and I said well it was a spirit of witchcraft I said have you ever messed and she goes I messed with it in high school and I said well that came in when you did and it just left in Jesus name so praise God amen so there's there's so many different times that we've prayed for so many people that have been delivered from demons and, and as they were set free from them mental illnesses disappeared physical illnesses disappeared struggles with besetting sins nightmares all kinds of torment has left people and I remember this one precious lady is a black lady from New Orleans and she was sitting there with us and and she she said she was like well I don't really know about all this you know but she was going through this deliverance questionnaire and she just simply wanted to pray because she felt like something wasn't quite right and so we just were praying with her and Sandy remembers this is when we were out in Austin we were sitting there with her and we start walking her through just the, the whole questionnaire is just simply this questions are asked to help people realize well I opened a door to the devil doing this or this or this that's all the questionnaire is get people to think and they write down and so we were just going through and having her ask forgiveness for the things that open the door to the devil well at some point something within her rose up and she got really scared because she felt out of control and I remember she like grabbed my hand like this and she was real nervous and I was looking at her I said it's okay just relax and she felt that thing come out of her and she was like a deep breath and she was like wow you know that was amazing and the, the relief on the other side of that so 
Jesus has come to set the captives free. Amen. And so, you know, Derek Prince used to teach this. It's so true. When Jesus went in the wilderness, he went led by the Spirit, but he came back in the power of the Spirit. And the first miracle you read was what? A demon was set. Somebody was set free from the demonic. So Jesus has come to liberate people. Amen? All right. So this is how I kind of want to close this out. How do we develop our inner senses and develop that discernment? Now, there is a gift of the discerning of spirits. So the nine gifts of the spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us and guides us. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's going to be giftings that are activated. Now, everybody's going to get, remember, I don't want to get too theological, but remember Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. And he gives signs. And one of them was, they will speak in other tongues. It's like there is a prayer language that people baptized in the Holy Spirit are just simply going to have. But there's also a gift. And so you have the gift of giving a message in tongues. And then a gift of interpreting that. That's not the same thing. You'll see, I have a personal prayer language like probably all of you and most people listening. A personal prayer language. But there's times that God will give me a message in tongues. And it's that dialect is always different. And it will be, it will have a beginning, it will have an ending, and then there will be an interpretation. And then there's the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is just simply the Holy Spirit giving revelation, inspired speech, if you will. It's not necessarily predicting the future. A lot of people think, well, prophecy is going to tell you something to come. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But it's, it's more than that. It's information. Like, for example, look at how Brother Benny flows. Brother Benny has a very strong gift of prophecy. And so Brother Benny will many times see things, and he'll tell you something like, the devil's been attacking you in this area, but God's doing this or that. That's not predicting the future. That's just him getting revelation, you see. So prophecy is revelatory. Okay, then let me skip to the power ones. You have the gift of faith, healing, and miracles. The gift of faith, all of us have faith. You wouldn't be a Christian if you didn't. We need to develop our faith, but the gift of faith comes for you to believe for something that you couldn't. And it usually works together with the gift of working of miracles, but the gift of working of miracles is where miracles are happening right there, a leg growing out, things like that. That's the gift of working of miracles, okay? But then there's another power gift of healing. Healing is just where you pray for people and they're healed. It could be instantaneous or it could be over days and weeks that they get better. Somebody may be stage four cancer. Somebody with the gift of healing prays for them. They get hit by the power of God. They wake up the next morning feeling better and then for the next day better, the next day better, in about three to six-week period, there's no cancer in them whatsoever. See, that's a gift of healing. But the revelation gifts is what I'm talking about here of um, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So words of wisdom and words of knowledge are going to be information. A word of knowledge a lot of times will connect with healing. That's why you see people say, there's somebody here that your left ear 
is, is closed. You're not hearing well in that left ear, and God's opening that ear in Jesus' name, and then the ear pops open. That's a word of knowledge and the gift of healing together to bring healing. I said all that to get to discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is a special gift by the Holy Spirit to know if something is of God or not. When the gift of discerning of spirits is at work in somebody's life, they can, they can tell if it's of man or if it's demonic or if it's of God. And so we, how many knows we need the gift of discerning of spirits in the church? Probably the most misunderstood gift because I think because it's neglected. And I think that the gift of discerning of spirits works together with the deliverance ministry because somebody can tell what demon is in operation. I believe personally, humbly, that's simply a gift that God gave me when he called me to start doing deliverance because I, I feel that that's there. But you can sense what type of spirit. So you'll be praying for somebody that begins to manifest and the gift of discerning of spirits will know that's a spirit of uh, something like witchcraft or a spirit of bondage. You know it. There's no way that you should know that, but by the spirit, you know that that's what it is. You say, in Jesus' name, I command that spirit of bondage out, and then next thing you know, they're delivered. So it's a discerning of spirits that works together with the deliverance ministry. All right, so going through all of that, there is a special gift but even if we don't have that, God still wants us to develop our inner man, our inner senses to distinguish between good and evil. You should know if it's of God or not. And don't judge by your natural eye. It says about Jesus, he had the sevenfold Holy Spirit and he did not judge by what his eyes saw or his ear heard, but with righteous judgment. I remember one time I felt led to talk to this guy on the street and I was with a brother and we were street witnessing, which I've done a lot of this. I've, man, I could tell you some of the craziest stories. You want to you get some crazy stories to tell your grandkids? Start doing street evangelism. I mean, you're going to see it all. And so I remember this guy that was, it was at night, and this guy looked rough. Tattoos. He looked like a gangbanger. He looked like somebody who's a rough character. But I felt led to talk to him. So I go up and I start, and I remember my buddy was like, you sure, Pastor Scott? <laughs> <laughs> say it'd be all right so we go up there and start talking now, here's the thing he was the nicest guy and was really open to the gospel but he had just gotten out of prison uh, he was a rough character but the holy spirit was moving in his life and he appreciated me talking to him all right but then i've also gone up y'all have heard me talk about it it's true i've also gone up to sweet grandma that you thought i mean she looked like the sweetest granny you've ever seen in your life. I mean, you think, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, I'm used to talking to these crazy people on the streets. You know, I've run into a Satanist. I've run into all these people. I've run into a witch. I've run into a Muslim, an atheist, and this and that. And here's grandma. This is going to be so easy. So you go up to talk to grandma, and all of a sudden, she starts cussing like a sailor, yelling at you, red-faced, you blankety-blank, get out of my face, you know, and you're going, what happened to grandma? <laughs> Let me go talk again to the guy who just got out of prison, you know. So Jesus knew that by the Spirit. You understand? 
Grandma looked like she would be sweet and open to the gospel, but was nothing like that. This other guy looked like he would be mean and close to the gospel, but was open. You can't judge by what your natural eye sees or your natural ear hears. You need to be careful because there's going to be people coming in to get saved, and some of them may look rough, but God drew them in to save them. I mean, there's some people in our ministry that have come out of some rough backgrounds, you know, not... Not to mention my wife kind of has a rough background, you know, and hung around some rough characters. But, I mean, there's people that come from rough backgrounds that the Lord is drawing them in to save them. Give them a few years and don't be surprised if they're not completely different and they become great preachers of the gospel. You know, the people Jesus had the greatest problems with, the religious Pharisees, man. They were the ones everybody thought was so religious and so wonderful. And they, Jesus called them wolves in sheep's clothing. He, John the Baptist called them a brood of vipers. And Jesus said about them, how are you going to escape hell yourself? You travel land and sea to win a convert and make them twice as much a son of hell as you. I mean, Jesus didn't have nothing good to say about those guys, but they were clean cut they were well-dressed, and they looked religious. I mean, they, in every way, they look like what you're supposed to be, but they were devils. You understand? So just be careful with this counterfeit discernment that judges. So here's, here's how I want to close this sermon, James 3.15. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. Now, Derek Prince broke this scripture down really well as he knew Greek really well, but he was saying the wisdom descends not from above. He said earthly means like natural, the way that anybody would see it, okay? Natural. Unspiritual means soulish. Now, this is so important because we cannot filter things by our our human soul and think that we're always going to be right we've got all, so many preconceived ideas it, it where we grew up how we were raised things our parents taught us i mean the friends that we kept the books we've read all these different filters in our human soul that if we're not careful can filter and think some things of god that's not and he and listen it goes on to say this wisdom is not from above. It's natural. It's soulish. It's just out of the soul of a person and demonic. And Derek said this. He said it may start out soulish, but it will move quickly into the demonic. That's why you get all these false prophecies. Because people are prophesying out of their soul and not from the Holy Ghost. They're prophesying out of their soul. I'm going to tell you, it's dangerous. They're saying, thus says the Lord, and God did not say it. And it goes on to say, for where there is envying and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. So we can't judge things like the world does. The world sees things from a natural perspective soulish they judge it just out of their human soul out of their emotions out of their intellect their reasoning and that's where a lot of christendom is i've i've heard people multiple times make fun of what i'm preaching tonight because they don't understand it 
they make fun of the revivals and spirit-filled people and they mock what I'm preaching because they don't understand it. They say, oh, they don't think we have discernment, but we have the word. Really? Well, what about these scriptures I'm reading tonight? What about that part of the word? Why don't you have that? I'm not taking away from the word of God. We need to know the word. We need to know the word, but we also need to know the Holy Spirit. And we also need to have true discernment within us to know when the word of God the word of God is so awesome, but there's times that just like that woman that had that demon, Paul would not have known that just by quoting a scripture. He had to discern it. And so this is what this is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I believe this is what Paul's talking about. He, let me just read it. It says this, yet we speak a wisdom among those who are mature. What's the one thing you're seeing this whole sermon? Maturity. Spiritual maturity. The inner man has been developed. He says, we speak a wisdom among those who are mature, although not the wisdom of this age. So he's saying it's not the wisdom of the world. It's not scientific wisdom. Nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. At the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. A mystery? A hidden wisdom? This is things that are not discerned by the flesh. These are things that are not understood by just the human soul alone. It's something that's got to be understood by revelation. The Holy Spirit has to reveal this to you. He says it's a mystery. It's a hidden thing. It says in verse 8, None of the rulers of this age knew it, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear is heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Doesn't that remind you of one of the first scriptures I read? Jesus will not judge by what his eye sees or his ear hears, but by the Spirit. He will judge things. So he's not judging them by his natural eye or his natural ear. Okay? So it says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Everybody say revelation. That is a spiritual thing. It is not a physical thing and it is not a soulish thing. See, people can mess with the soul. Listen, I've seen it. I think it's manipulation. I call it charismatic witchcraft. But people learn how to get a crowd all worked up and whipped up and all excited, and they can get your emotions all worked up. That's just working a crowd. That's just emotion. The same thing with the intellect. People can talk to you on an intellectual level. It will stimulate your intellect. You may learn something great that's wonderful. We're dealing with something deeper than the human soul. We're dealing with things that are revealed by the Spirit. It says, but God has revealed them to us by a Spirit, for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. So in other words, nobody knows you like you do. See, I can think, I can look at somebody, I've preached before, 
And um, people had the strangest looks on their face. <laughs> I mean, some of you have never been up preaching, so you don't know what I'm talking about. I preached in crowds where some people had the weirdest look on their faces, and I thought to myself, dear God, what are they thinking, you know? And then afterward, and I thought they probably were not receiving, but afterward, oh, brother, I loved this and that. I got so much out of it. See, I don't know what is going on inside of them, but they do. That's what it's saying here. No man knows the things of a man except his spirit within him. And then it says also, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, so that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. These things also we proclaim, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now that right there, that scripture has lost a lot of Christendom right there. These things are not with man's wisdom. But he says the Holy Spirit gives us a teaching comparing spiritual things with spiritual. See, only the mature is going to get that. There's things that are revealed by the Spirit, the deeper things of God, revelation that we get by the Spirit. And verse 14 says, and this is where a lot of those that mock this, this is them. They're in the Bible. It's right here. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They may profess to be this great Christian, but according to the Scriptures, they're still babes that need milk and don't even understand what's being taught here tonight. Hello? They're, spiritually speaking, babes. They don't understand the things of the Spirit. They don't understand discernment. But it says this, they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Now, doesn't that make sense in light of other scriptures? Hebrews 5, 11, solid meat is for the mature who have by use, by practice, trained their inner senses to discern. Okay, let's read this again. The natural man does not receive the things of God. They are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You're receiving it spiritually. Your inner man is bearing witness. You can see things with your spiritual eyes. You can hear things. How many times did Jesus say things like this? They have eyes, but they don't see. That's what he's talking about. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is not judged by anyone. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So I'm just going to give just a few more things and kind of wrap this up tonight. But my point tonight is, is developing that inner man because here in a short while, there's going to be a guy start emerging in the political scene that we know by, from the Bible, we call him the Antichrist. But the world is going to love him. He's going to be what the world wants, the darling of the world. He's going to be so wise, handsome, powerful, wealthy. And they're everything the world wants, but yet he is a devil. 
And there's going to be many that are deceived by him. There's seducing spirits, doctrines of demons that have already been preparing people to receive him. So the way that we develop our inner man, and it's not a one-time thing. It's something that we develop over time, okay? But praying in the spirit. How many of you guys have a prayer language? Praying in tongues. Seriously, you have a prayer language. Everybody? One of the things that we can do is praying in the spirit. The Bible says in the book of Jude, it says that you build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul talked about he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. And Kenneth Hagin says one of the ways you can look at that is like a rechargeable battery. You're recharging yourself. You're edifying yourself as you pray in the Spirit. I believe personally, as I've spent time praying in the Spirit, I've become more sensitive to what God is saying. And Brother John talked to me, you know, I've always had a, a prayer life. I've try to have a very strong prayer life and, and it has different aspects to it but brother john davis told me he said you know he said let me tell you for the first little while just pray in tongues and then after a little while then start getting into your normal prayer time and i've been doing that and you know what it's made me more sensitive there's something about praying in tongues on a regular basis i mean daily we need this that will strengthen and develop and make your inner man more sensitive, more in tune. There's so many benefits of praying in tongues, I don't even know where to begin. It's not really part of the sermon, but the Bible says you utter mysteries. So you get revelation praying in tongues. Also, make sure you set aside daily time for prayer, but get to know the Holy Spirit. So your prayer life, needs to be one that's such that what the Apostle Paul prayed, that you know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This is very important. I hope that everybody will remember, take away from this today, praying in tongues and get to know the Holy Spirit. If you don't know the Holy Spirit, you can ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, I don't know that I really know you the way I want to, but reveal yourself and help me get to know your voice and your leading. See, one of the things that a banker will do is because those that count money handle the real all the time, when their, their goal is if a counterfeit comes, they're so familiar with the real that they'll discern that counterfeit because it feels different, looks different. See, the more that you're spending time with the Holy Spirit and getting to know him, getting to know his voice, and the way that God taught me, I've shared this a lot, but... I still do this as you know you have your Bible open you pray you you get in the word and ask the Holy Spirit show me speak to me something and the Holy Spirit will begin to show you things out of the word he may lead you to read a certain story in fact this last week the Holy Spirit really prompted me to read a particular story in the Bible and I got so much out of it so much revelation it was very powerful it helped me tremendously but the Holy Spirit will lead you and he will speak to you. He'll show you. And as you develop that relationship, it needs to center it first at, on the word. As you learn to get revelation from the Holy Spirit out of the word, he may speak to you, turn to such and such or read this story or whatever. The more that you get familiar with that, the more that it will come out of your prayer time into the rest of your life. 
Because then you're, you're walking along and you're praying, Lord, I need to know what to do about this job situation. Lord, I need to know about what to do with handling these people over here. And the same Holy Spirit that taught you and spoke to you and led you in your prayer time, now you hear that voice and, you, and he can tell you, do this. Or he'll lead you a certain way. But we have to develop that ourselves. That's not something that anybody can do for another person. That is very personal. That's something that is developed in your prayer life. And then also, daily study the word. And then finally, I would say soaking in God's presence. Spend some time at the end of your prayer time where you rest in the presence of the Lord and just listen. God may speak to you and he may not but you're still soaking in his presence and you're being so familiarized with the presence of God, the glory of God. See, I've gone to a lot of places where God's moving in a, in a lot of different types of anointings where in one group there's more of faith, healing, and miracles. Another group, it's, you know, you may see like kind of like the joy of the Lord, the laughter. Another group, you see deep repentance. Or another group, powerful prayer and intercession. Another group, maybe powerful prophecies and but you go in there, and how many knows what I'm talking about? Your spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit at work there. Different anointings has kind of a different feel, different flavor, same Holy Spirit. And you know the Holy Spirit, so you know it's of Him. So last two scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5.15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. This is just good advice here at the end. Paul is closing out this letter here, and he says, But always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But look at this. Examine all things. Everybody say all. We're called to examine all things and firmly hold on to what's good. So it is our responsibility to examine all things. Don't just let something go on. And I'm, I'm actually going to share a story at the end here. I think that you'll find interesting. And it says, verse 22, abstain from the appearance of evil. May the very God of peace sanctify you completely. And I pray to God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless till the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, who will also do it. And then 1 Timothy 4.1 now the Spirit clearly says in the latter days some will depart from the faith paying attention to what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So there are, seducing means deceiving. There are deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now there's a true story. My wife and I actually know this individual. I've talked to him. But my wife and I also, there was a particular lady that grew up in Satanism. And I'm going to close with this story. Okay, y'all give me one more story. This lady grew up in Satanism. And she heard Sandy's testimony. And so she wanted to give her life to the Lord. And long story short, she was saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water, got delivered from several demons. It was a powerful story. But her assignment was that she was in a, an infiltrator in a Christian church. So... People in this particular church she was going to the whole time thought that she was this good Christian lady. She would come in well-dressed. She was professional. I mean, nothing about her looked out of the ordinary, 
but she was a Satanist going to church every week and nobody there knew any different. Now, with that said, true story, I know the guy, it's, anyway, trust me, it's a true story and I've written about these things actually in our book that we wrote. But there was a lady that was trained to be an infiltrator and she knew to come a, a, into spirit-filled Pentecostal circles and she was a total Satanist or she was a witch. I mean, she was trained to infiltrate these groups, okay? So she knew that she had to dress the part. And so she, she would remove any makeup. She would put her hair in a bun. She dressed extremely conservative. She knew the Bible and she had demonic spirits in her that could counterfeit speaking in tongues or whatever else. So the people there had no way of knowing by looking at her with the natural eye that there was anything off about her. She looked like everybody else and she spoke in tongues just like everybody else. True story. And there was another lady that was younger than her that she was supposed to train in this. She was also a Satanist witch lady. And so she, she began to teach her how to look the part and all that. And, and it's not hard for these people to get demons that will help them counterfeit the gifts. I mean, they can have a spirit of divination that will enable them to know information that they shouldn't know. So a lot of Christians would just assume that they're prophesying or maybe they'll speak in tongues and then say something and they think that they're giving a message in tongues and interpreting total counterfeit and this lady was going through she would go to larger meetings because nobody really knew her i mean she could just walk freely through there and she would pray over people and they would fall out under her power and they were getting oppressed they were getting demonized and influenced by evil things because that's what she was releasing and the lady that she was training to do this later on accepted Christ as her savior and was telling this. And she was talking about how grieved she was now that, that she was participating in this. The reason why I'm sharing that is with everything that God does, the devil has a counterfeit. And the only way you're going to know, that lady knew that she looked the part, acted the part. She knew that 99% of people would never question her. She could move freely through there and do whatever she wanted. That's dangerous. And that's why one of the reasons I've always had where either me or somebody I know pray for people, especially when we've had larger, larger venues and we've joined with others and we've had bigger events, um, I don't just have a free-for-all pr letting everybody pray for everybody. I never have, never will. And this is the reason why. And it may even be a sincere Christian come in, but they just don't need to be praying for people. They got all kinds of spiritual problems and they don't need to spread that to you. I've had that before where somebody against my will prayed over me and I felt slimy and gross afterward and I had to go ask God to cleanse that off me, whatever it was, I don't know. So anyway, Hopefully you see tonight what I'm talking about. Certain things have to be discerned by the Spirit, and we've got to develop that inner man within us. And so, Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. Let this be sealed in our hearts. Help us, Lord, develop a strong prayer life. Help us, Lord, to be a people that pray in the Spirit. 
and that our inner senses are trained to discern good from evil. Lord, that we're mature. We know what's of God and what's not. We have discernment, and we know how to be led by the Spirit. Lord, I thank you for it. Let this be sealed in us tonight. Lord, help us to grow in this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.